and welcome to the Expansive Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you be more expansive, expansive in the way that you think, and expansive in the way that you show up, whether it is for you, for your team, as a leader, in your personal life, as a parent. Uh, we want to help you be more expansive as we explore what it means to be expansive for ourselves. My name is Eric, and I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, and I'm an author, and I'm one half of the Expansive Podcast. I'm joined by my ever-elegant co-host, still stuck in Cape Town, John Sane. John, how are you doing? Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And Eric, thank you for the great opening. Indeed, we are called The Expansive as we want to expand ourselves. And in the process of researching this idea of expansion, the best way to share and to learn and to integrate our research is to share it through conversation. And so we've decided to do this podcast live now, and now we're doing it live across Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, as well as getting this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, which is iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you listen to it. So welcome to it, and thank you for joining us again. It is Wednesday, 3 p.m. South African Central Time, and we are having a little bit of a tough time in South Africa. We have had uh, the Delta variant COVID really start to attack a whole bunch of new people. We have taxi violence and we have the riots and the looting from last week. In all of this mess, we have a great silver lining. And the silver lining is that we have a corrupt ex-president that is finally in jail. And I think that many people forget about this small detail where everybody's up in arms with the looting and the taxi violence. We mustn't forget that this was never would have been thought of if we didn't have the president we have now to put somebody like our ex-president in jail. So it is a tough time, and uh, but there are silver linings if we're looking for them. Eric, how's it going up there in Joburg? I've also heard you guys are having a little bit of a tough time. Yeah, we've been having a very tough time with it being very cold here. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been freezing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we are seeing that more and more countries are going back into lockdown again, and it feels like every single time we think, well, maybe we are emerging, maybe things are returning to whatever normal is going to be or look like, then we just kind of get shut down again. And it's been, uh, yeah, it, it's just what an ongoing nonstop roller coaster to be on. You know, 18 months and still going strong, Corona, it's mutating at an incredible pace, even though we are getting vaccinated. Um, but there also seems to be a lot of different sources. You know, it depends on who you're listening to and where they studied it and what their studies entail. There seems to be different stories about this uh, sort of idea of what's best to fight the coronavirus. Mm. So mm. I think it's just a very confusing time. Um, but I made a video last week. We spoke about it last week. This is part of a global breakdown of everything. Imagine uh, we were questioning education 20 years ago. We weren't. weren't. We were questioning politics. We never used to. The news was gospel. We were questioning the political system. I mean, yeah, the political system. And today we don't trust any politicians. Imagine we were challenging the economic system. And today you have NFTs being sold for $67 million. So it seems mm. like every little thing is up in the air. And, and we're wanting this sort of grounding and anchoring. But it just seems to mm. be eluding us at the moment. And mm. this is kind of where we're at in our personal lives. But Businesses that we work with are having an even tougher time. And this is what we want to speak about today around this concept of transformation. That's what mm. is going on out there, what's stopping companies, and what's stopping us as individuals. I know you're a specialist in this and making a lot of content around this recently. Tell me some of your thoughts, Eric. Yeah, well, before we even get to transformation, you know, 
I think we're going to have a really tough time in years to come with information overload. I mean, we, we're already experiencing it today. I can't imagine what it's going to look like five years down the line. Like, uh, there's going to be, uh, there's going to have to be some big changes regarding the filtering of content and the curation of content because honestly, it is just, it's overwhelming the amount of content that's out there. And I'm not even just talking about like physical number of podcasts or YouTube channels or blogs, whatever. I'm just talking about like all the contrasting views and how easily people just latch onto a narrative that they feel makes sense for them. And I think all of us, it's it, like literally like this is becoming everyone's responsibility to slow down and verify the information that you have and to dig a bit deeper. Like don't just, don't just go down your own little rabbit hole. Like take the time to be a responsible citizen of the internet and to make sure that what you are sharing, if you're sharing something, has some backing behind it. You know, there's like, there's something to it. Don't just share blindly as fact. I mean, we've been speaking about fake news for ages, but the problem isn't just fake news. The problem is so many damn opinions. And, you know, like I, I consider myself someone who, who really, I, I do my homework when it comes to things like vaccines, for example. Like my brother is a good example as well. He'll, like, he'll obsess over it. He'll read the this journals and all of that. And even with that level of, uh, I want to say overthinking, but that level of, uh, detail, detail, like it, it's, it's so difficult to know. Right. But so I just, I, I kind of just wanted to say, you know, we need to slow down before we share. And I think we need to just be a bit more aware of the sources that we trust and where we get our information from. But just, that was very long winded. Um, what we are really here to speak about is, is transformation. And so, you know, earlier in the week, you sent me a, a message. Uh, you had written up a few thoughts of your own around transformation. Like you said, this is a, a, a thing that we are always busy researching, trying to better understand both at an individual level, at a leadership level, at an organizational level. And your masterclass is also called Transformotion. So, like, this is something that you, you definitely dig into very deep. So, you want to, like, tee it up for us? What's... Yeah, so thanks. Uh, you know, I, I think when I get asked the same question over and over and over, or if I keep getting the same brief from clients, I start to realize this is, you know, it's this, it's a global issue. And that's why these patterns that I see emerging is based on in, in engaging with clients and having briefing sessions with governments in Dubai to banks in South Africa to grocery stores and retail brands. It seems to be the same issue. And, and the issue is, how do we transform? What do we transform to? And what's stopping us from transforming? And so I keep getting asked this question. And there's other tonalities to it. People are having a tough time. There's mental health issues. People are uncertain about their jobs, um, coming back to work and not coming back to work. So there just seems to be a lot of sort of movement around this. But I wanted mm. to break it down to basics. And I want to maybe share these basics with people just to help and maybe highlight some things and maybe some questions you could ask about yourself and your business. And, and obviously, I do the masterclass and the talk about this because it's just such a big topic that people are grappling with that I keep getting mm. deeper and deeper into it. And, you know, I was just researching recently and I came up with these sort of processes that I want to share. I know you also work around this cool. stuff a lot and uh, you've got your mm. own masterclass called Think Week. But um, yeah, I'm sure you'll have a lot to add to this list that I'm going to take us through. 
Ready to go? Awesome. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, let's go. So because I work across the board, across borders, I get this question of transformation a lot. And I've kind of broken it down to three different things that stop people from evolving and transforming. The first one is every organization is made up of human beings. And you get sometimes boards and executive um, execs that are a lot more focused in on keeping stability in the business rather than expanding, imagining, and regrowing. And it just depends on the mix of people that you have around that decision-making um, table. But really, the very first thing that I see when I go into organizations is that the organization has people within it that are eager for more and growth or people that are in it that want to keep the status quo as it is and are very scared of change and innovation. And I'm sure you come across a lot of these people as well, but, mm. you know, we sense it when we're dealing with somebody. Some people are scared or angry or frustrated. Other people are excited, energized, and really focused on doing new things. So the first thing that I see is the actual human beings that make up that organization that they're in. That's the first point. Cool. The second point is, is that the actual company itself has its own personality. And this personality of the company, the culture, its purpose, whatever you want to call it, is either keen for evolving or not. And companies always have their own immune system. And these immune systems uh, want innovation and transformation, but often can't deal with very new things and very new ways of doing things. And so mm. the second thing is company culture and company immune system. And the third thing, as I think that many people don't take this into account, is depending on where your business is established and as far as what country you're in, what city you're in, this really impacts your hunger and drive for transformation and for change. For example, the Israelis have more innovation and transformation happening per capita than any other company and country by an absolute long shot. It shows you that culturally they're much more into transformation and newness than they are in mm -hmm. holding on to the past. So those are the first three things. Have you picked up anything else in your work? So people, company, personality or culture – and then culturally, where it happens, right? Those are the exactly the, the, the sort of city, the city, the city they're in, or the country they're in. For the country, cool. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with what you're saying. You know, ultimately, uh, it's the people who drive the transformation, and they have to buy into it to start with. And like I've, I've been using this slogan now for a while, because uh, when I made my transformational leadership video in the beginning of the year, how I ended it was to say. To transform, you must be willing to be transformed, right? And and it's like it's that's a big thing is that we speak about transformation all the time, but are you really willing to go through the process and the pain and the letting go that it's going to require from you, and to become this new thing that because it's sexy to talk about transformation, we, we see, see this like, like that's right. why everybody's doing it. That's yeah. why it work, right? Because it's sexy yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> And you want to get like the latest keynote speaker in to come in and uh, give a talk about why transformation is important and how we're going to digitize and et cetera, et cetera. But like we know that transformation is a hell of a process. It is a painful process. And so, yeah, I think I'm not sure if I have anything to add to that apart from the fact that, you know, you have to be willing to be transformed. So what's next? So and if I dig further into it, if you've got somebody that's super keen to innovate 
and he or she arrives at a company that culturally they're not about transformation and not about newness, they'll never win. They'll leave. And so it makes us understand that the most important of those three things that are stopping us is actually the company culture. And so there's four things that I've seen in companies that aren't able to to transform that I think are important to get across. The first one is reward and remuneration. It's almost as if we're asking people to transform and be on these transformation journeys, but the KPIs and how we remunerate and reward them are not based on that. They're based on still mm. legacy of thinking. So profitability, uh, new sales, and those things are great, but if you're not giving the reward for the right behavior, you know, we all are monkeys wearing suits at the end of the day, and we kind of do what we're rewarded to do. And, you know, my favorite game is uh, the Discovery game. And for people who are not listening from South Africa, Discovery is one of our best insurance companies around, and they have a gamification on fitness. And I have been a Diamond Platinum member for the last six years because every year I'm like, I've got to make Diamond. You know, the, the number of mm. calories you're burning, and that gamification and that reward and remuneration has changed my interaction with the insurance company. So mm. it really does work and it really does help change behavior. So KPIs, first thing in order to get it aligned for the transformation journey. Two, legacy IT infrastructure. And so what has happened is that organizations have made decisions about investing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into IT systems. And then all of a sudden you arrive and go, well, look, we need to transform. And you're like, whoa, 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 we've, we've, <laughs> we've spent millions. We've moved everything into SAP or into Oracle or into them. We can't now transform that. We've still got to go into this IT journey. And that, again, in itself is holding us back from trying, experimenting, and transforming in certain ways. So IT and legacy processes are also a big thing that I find is a problem. The third one is protecting business models and supply chains. And because these businesses have been doing certain things in certain ways, there's this established relationships, established um, discounts and rebates. There's established processes. And when you're wanting to come in and try something new, you often are disrupting not only the product and service, but sometimes the actual business model itself. And we know mm -hmm. the, very, the most famous business model that we all have is supply, the supply and demand where there's higher supply, there's less demand, and you mess with the market like that. But that, that model is being disrupted left, right, and center. It's almost like it's become commoditized and everybody's got access to it. And it just doesn't have anything that makes you stand out. And so we have dozens of new business models that are evolving. And sometimes these go against the existing business models itself. And businesses are built on the structure of their business model. So think about Gillette. They went from one blade to two blade to three blade to four blade to five blade to six blade. Why? Following the same business structure, selling it into retailers and following that same process for years and years and years and years. And then mm -hmm. came along $1 Shave Club with $1 a month subscription with one blade sent to you every month on subscription to your house. You never had to go to the shop or any of that. You realize that, that business model really disrupted Gillette's business model. And so understanding that business models really are sometimes the thing to look at. And what usually happens is that businesses are protecting their business models because it's just the way that it's always been done. Fourth, and this one really does get to me, is shareholders and investors that demand quick returns do not allow you to experiment or any long-term planning or any transformation. And, you know, I often get perturbed by this because... It's almost like 
it's an immature, ridiculous notion to want all the time for it to be feeding you back as a machine. And I think that whole structure is shifting. We're seeing it move from shareholder to stakeholder. But still, I work with a lot of clients in South Africa, and these are big, big clients, and they're all public clients and public companies, and they've got shareholder returns. So there's nothing else the CEO can do. That's the structure. The shareholders want to know exactly how much money they're getting back. And really, they didn't, couldn't give a sort about transformation. They're just so hungry for now. It's almost like a very impersonal way to invest in businesses when you don't have a long-term process. So I think it's really important to redesign that relationship and, and awaken investors and understand that there's a long game here at play. And transformation takes a while. It's a process of experimentation, you know. And lastly, and I think this is a real key one, is when I do work with boards and execs, I often ask them in the strategy sessions, who here is an AI specialist? Who here is a blockchain specialist? And who here is a data scientist? And often I get blank stares because they're like, we don't have anybody like that on Xcode. And it mm. blows my mind because how are you making decisions about the future when you don't have the capabilities in the room that are going to help you make those decisions? You know, just you and I, Eric, are dealing with Gideon, who's listening to this call, who's a 20, I don't know, what is he, 24, 25? He's coming in with new capabilities to help us expand our podcast and our brands digitally. I couldn't, we didn't understand this world. You know, I've now gone into TikTok, but all I'm doing is taking my old videos and editing them in for TikTok, and I'm using Gideon. And it's understanding that you need to bring new capabilities into your business. And often, sometimes, you don't even understand those capabilities. But if you don't have them sitting around the table at the most senior decision-making process. I have, I have a few questions for you. Um, but, just, but just quickly add on to that. You know what I think the, you know, there's always this debate, and we've actually done a podcast around generalists and specialists as well. And there's always this debate around which way do you go? Do you, do you go the specialist route or the generalist route? And I still, I think there's an immense amount of value in surrounding yourself with specialists because they just see opportunities and possibilities that you can't see without having a very deep and foundational knowledge of a certain subject matter, you know, and, and I think that's like, you know, whenever we are working with new people that are tapping into our businesses, that's what we want from them. We want that deep expertise and specialization to show us what we can't see, you know, and, and TikTok, for example, I think. Isn't is that a, what we do though, Eric? Isn't that what we yeah, do for sure. our clients? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, if I look at TikTok, for example, like there's a, there's a level of immersion that you need in it to understand what's going to work on that platform, for example. Right. And so, and I mean, that's always been why coaches have been such a, a popular thing is because you tap into experience, knowledge, expertise, specialization, and that accelerates your journey or it shows you different angles of the same, the same topic. Um, I, I mean, I love that. You know, even in our individual capacities, when we're having to transform, you have to put new inputs in to be able to transform. So mm. uh, I do ayahuasca and I do San Pedro and I do these shamanic ceremonies because they take you on a massive journey into another world where you can see your life objectively and you come back and you're a different person. So yeah, in new inputs and new capabilities are really important. Uh, before I ask you the question, I just want to quickly mention, so uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you know by now that we we record it live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. South African Standard Time. Uh, we do it on LinkedIn, on Facebook. We haven't missed one in, like, it's been a couple of months, I think. We've been really good at this. Uh, we've added Instagram to the, to the journey now. But um, the only comment that we've had today so far has been someone saying hi to Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so for people on Instagram, uh, what we have is some people can make comments on, on, on LinkedIn so we can see them. And usually we have quite a few comments today. The only comment we have is hi Gideon to our, to our producer. From, so thanks. From Matthew. From Matthew. There we go. Okay. Thank thanks you, a Matthew. lot, Matthew. Hi, yeah, hi thanks. You, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Yeah, hi, man. Uh, thanks a lot for that. So <laughs> Dude, um, so I had a few questions, but I think that probably the most important as we come up on time is obviously transformation starts with leadership. How do you get leadership to buy into transformation? Because a lot of the things that you listed, you know, how we incentivize people, um, how we uh, think about the return on investment, like all those kind of things, you know, that starts and, and ends with leadership. So how do you go about getting people to buy into transformation when what they really want is short-term gain? Yeah, I think it's a great question, but I, I do think it's about redesigning for them at the outset that short-term gain is actually a fool's game. You've got to accept that. You've got to accept that premise. If that premise is not accepted, then, then really it's just it's lipstick on a pig, right? So uh, to be honest with, I wouldn't even want to work with a company that is coming to me and going, and I actually often call out companies I work with because I think you're just, you're talking rubbish. It's like, you're not actually serious about what you're doing. And so I think that needs to be brought across to leaders. But I think, Eric, you know, most leaders kind of know that even when they are mm. looking for the short term, they kind of know that if they are really thinking long-term, there's a very different approach. There's a lot more elegance and a lot more maturity into developing that sort of thing, you know? And I think also COVID-19 has taught us that a lot. It's like, you know, let's get down to creating certain businesses that have long-term impact on our surroundings, mm. as well as just the people we're servicing. And we want to build that very wholesome type of business. And that's all I really want to help people build, you know? Um, conscious capitalism, which is a term made famous by the guy who started um, Whole Foods. Um, and that's really what I want to bring is, is, is this idea of transforming towards being incredibly profitable and allowing the whole supply chain and customer chain and employee chain to benefit from that huge amount of profits. That's awesome mm. because that can just keep going forever and ever and ever in a day, you know? And so I think it's the fairness, the transparency and the sort of generosity in long terms that we need to be focusing on it's like it's enough the greed is enough you know we're all so sick and tired of it we really have to start applying ourselves differently so the transformation journey is the one that i have broken down with you where i take these clients through the issues that we're having and the process that we need to take and then start to masterclass these topics of what's holding us back what are our assumptions and what are our biases what part of the businesses are holding us back and which parts of the business are allowing us to fly who fits into the today and tomorrow teams? It's all these little building blocks that you need to bring together so that the, the actual strategy and intention can come to life. Mm. That's, a, that's a great answer. Do you think um, this also answers the question from Dylan? So Dylan asked, at a leadership level, how do you get your team to think transformation? Well, it's a process, uh, Dylan. I think it's a great question. And um, to be honest with you is to have Eric and I come in and speak to you because what we do is we tell stories to expand the horizons of what the future looks like to a certain extent, understanding the psychology that we're suffering from that's stopping us evolving into the future, and then giving us the tool sets and the rituals and the habits to build us into a new type of person, as Eric said, or they themselves will need to transform, but they don't know how. They don't know what to transform towards and how to go about it. So like any 
form of fitness. It happens slowly, slowly, mm. slowly, 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 slowly. Not sugar hits and then forget about it. So if you want to lose weight and you're overweight, what do you do? You diet continuously. You don't diet once and then leave it. So it's really mm. about having the appetite to understand what the future could look like, how do I need to transform myself, and what are the tools I need to use to get there. So it's a process, mm. but it's a great question. And I also think, you know, uh, John briefly touched on this, but he, he speaks on this a lot more uh, sort of extensively during his masterclass as well, is the idea of a today and a tomorrow team. And without going into too much detail about that, it's just that certain teams are focused on the issues of today and certain teams are focused on the transformation that you want to see take place. Um, and if I'm butchering this, you're welcome to correct me. But the, the tomorrow team is all about where are we going and what do we need to uh, what are the mindsets, the behaviors that we need to install into the company uh, that's going to help us to get there ultimately? And for small organizations, this can be quite challenging because you don't have the capacity to have a today and a tomorrow team. But then what you can do is have a day a week that is dedicated to future thinking. Like there's no reason to like not find a work. Well, look, what, what I would suggest with smaller companies is to bring consultants in. Small consultants mm. that can slowly but surely start to change focus and language inside the business. Mm. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you go into a business, you say AI the first time and they're like freak out. You spend a bit of time talking about AI and eventually like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand AI. It, mm. it just becomes common practice and common language. But look, yeah. I think we've gone over time and uh, it's been a in-depth episode. Thank you to everybody who's joined us uh, for this expansive podcast and for everybody on uh, Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us for our first time. Everybody on LinkedIn, Facebook, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you find this helpful and you think it could resonate by sharing it with somebody else, please do go ahead and share it. And as we're going through this massive transformation, please do look after yourself. And once you've done that, go find somebody else to look after. Cheers. Ciao.